At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Here's what I don't get. What I don't get, sorry for being late. What I don't get is why, what I don't get is why one week everything works fine, you don't touch it, and then the next week it doesn't work at all. You said you're good with computers, Alex. Explain me. Explain me. Well, well, at least, you know, it's kind of working, but still not good enough, and it's super choppy and crackly. (laughs) Well, because I've had to go to Wi-Fi now on my iPad rather than uh, connected with my computer because my computer's decided to (laughs) the bed. So, James, we've brought this up before. Your computer's over a decade old. Knowing, Knowing, you know, a pretty basic amount about computers is computers don't last that long. So just buy mm. a new computer. Yeah, right. I mean, They're not that expensive. So you're an IndyCar driver. That's like <laughs> the point. What is the point? It's, it's not serving you. Usually people are like, oh, I'm not going to buy it until it stops working. Well, I think we're there. The problem is, is every <laughs> once in a while it works and it lulls me into a false sense of security. And then this happens and I want to throw it to the bottom of the river. I was going to say, if your computer, if it's batting average would just barely eke it into the baseball hall of fame. You should get a new computer. And I think yours is below that. I don't think your computer plays baseball. Like I think it's still in like little league. <laughs> you can barely open up like Microsoft word on your computer, James. Yeah. I mean, my computer be a is still, one. I'm excited. My computer is still playing T-ball. Like I, I'm not even getting pitched to with this thing because <laughs> it's so bad. Well, all right. Well, James is, uh, prehistoric hardware aside, let's uh, let's get into this. So obviously we had a big weekend. Um, I'm of course talking about when James and I did some i racing, and he only beat me by two one hundredths of a second. Oh boy! <laughs> what the viewers should should also know in this scenario was um, I jokingly said Tim. <laughs> If you beat James, I will give you a thousand dollars. For a small period of time, it looks like Tim might actually beat James, and I was really mad about it. It was, like was it was close. I was devastated. I was elated. Yeah, no, you should. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense because mm. that would have been a nice. That would have almost covered your bar tab for the weekend. 
Um, I thought, so no, I, that wasn't the big thing that was going on. I thought the big thing that was going on was the cornhole tournament, which I got absolutely devastatingly destroyed at. Which okay, we do, we do need to I, touch on it. I'm still, glad you brought it up. Still, I'm glad you brought it up. I still have, you know, I think I'm losing sleep because of it. Well, I think we're going to make it an annual thing. Uh, so, of course, Alex is referring to the, um, the ACL, the American Cornhole League, who partnered up with the George Four Foundation, um, benef- benefiting Gigi's house here in, in Indianapolis, at Daredevil Brewery on the Thursday before the race weekend. And what was awesome about it is ACL brought four pros out uh, for a little demonstration, and they were teamed up with four non-pros. They were Alexander, myself, uh, George Steinbrenner, whose foundation it was, and Kenny Moore of the Colts. And it was just supposed to be like a, you know, a nice friendly cornhole tournament for a great cause, raising some money. I think it was on like, it was on television. I think it was on NBCSN. Um, and a couple things There's came no out way it was on NBCSN. <laughs> I know, I'm, it was on something. It, the devastating thing is it, it got more viewers than the 500. First of all, no, because the viewership for <laughs> 500 was For the awesome. first time, no, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, no, James. It may have been on, like, <clears throat> Peacock. Okay, or maybe, maybe it was on Peacock. Which we love. Right. Right. I don't think it was on, like... Okay, maybe it was It was somewhere. But wh- wh- what's important uh, is a couple takeaways. One, Alex Rossi talked a whole lot of smack before this tournament about how he was going to wipe the floor with everybody, especially me, who he loved to claim had never beat him in a game of cornhole (laughs) up to this point. Which, again... All true. Debatable. Debatable. We've had some close matches. That's a disputed fact. Okay. It's a disputed fact. Uh, I won't go as far as to call it fake news, because it might be rooted in some truth, but I'm not not entirely sure. But... uh, (laughs) When when push came to shove, Alex and I were actually paired uh, in the first round, which uh, went very, very strongly to me and my partner, Frank, uh, ACL professional. And so Alex had to then play in the third place consolation game against Kenny Moore and his uh, partner, which he also lost. So coming in, talking all the smack... <laughs> About winning the whole thing, he came. He came DFL, and I, I was standing there with George watching your game with Kenny, and him and I were about to face off in the final for the win. And we're like, honestly, neither one of us care who wins this our game as long as Alex loses this game because he was <laughs> he was so confident coming in. So, so here's the thing: you're right, and I was I was DFL, and that was a tough pill to swallow. But can we, can we also talk about the fact that ultimately it didn't really, I mean, for sure you beat me and, and Kenny beat me, but the level of discrepancy, which should exist between us and the pros, at the end of the day, it was really a game between the pros because we didn't contribute. Oh, much blaming of, it on no, no, somebody no, else. No, 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 no. Because no. like I, I couldn't even hit the board let alone try and get into the hole. Like I was for whatever reason, wide right on all of them. But like 
the guy that George was paired with, who keep in mind was the, um, it was his foundation and his event, is literally a 12-time world champion cornhole player. You don't know. The Steinbrenner 13, family would never just go times. out and get the best talent for their 13, team. That's not what the Steinbrenners do. So it, it was just, it was a little interesting that, you know, there were some pros that could like get four bags in a hole. And there were some pros um, that also missed the board like me. Um, but be that as it may, James and I were keeping score on our own little side. And uh, he still, he still won. But the overall tournament win went to the 13 time pro. So. <laughs> well, the There's overall win went to Gigi's, who benefited well, from the event. I mean, but yes, everybody there yeah, it was had funny. a great time. It, it was funny because George was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they paired me up with like the Tom Brady of Cornhole. And then we found out that he was a 13-time <laughs> world champion, nine-time single, four-time double. And he and so we, we nicknamed him TB13. So George was paired up with TB13. And, uh, I mean, our guys were all good. They were professional players. They were exceptionally oh, talented. Amazing. But this guy was this guy was on a different level. I just love how you can be a professional at your sport and be encouraged to drink light beer while you do it. There was literally cup holders on top of the scoring pylon so you could hold your beer. I, it was incredible. We don't, even, we don't even have cup holders in our car. <laughs> that was, that's pretty funny. So, speaking of your car... We've avoided talking about the greatest spectacle in racing that just occurred. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest uh, greatest for you guys, but uh, hey, it was the largest attendance event What has been great COVID. for you guys this year? Uh, you got to see me, along with 135,000 of my closest friends who came out to Speedway on Sunday. All of which we consider closer friends than you, but yes. Yeah, no, again, I'm, you've made this very clear. No, but I, <laughs> I mean, how cool is it? it, was, they, it shot was awesome. the, they shot the cannon off again. They added some fireworks at 6 a.m. There were people there. It was like yep. normal. Didn't love the fireworks part. I'm, I mean, I get the cannon. <laughs> that was, that's part of it. It's always been part of it. But then subsequent, you know, five minutes of fireworks seemed unnecessary at 6 o'clock in the morning, but maybe that's just I was very, me. very upset about that. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys get Apparently, a heads up that that was coming? Nope. No. No. Like, <laughs> and I, I never hear the cannon because, like, I'm a pretty deep sleeper. So one, like, boom in the distance is not going to wake me up. Three hundred booms, right? And crackles and pops. Um, you, you hear that, especially. I got a question. Where does where does the cannon shoot from? I don't even know where it's located. Oh, I don't it's know. Probably just through the PA system at this point. No, oh, I, I really feel like hope it's gotta be a real it. cannon. No. Yeah, there's real fireworks. There was a real cannon. When have you ever seen a cannon, James? Like ever, or just at IMS? No, at IMS. Yeah, but it's a really well, big place. It's a very. There's um, a lot of places at IMS I have not been. We're, well, um, I, cannons can't be like hidden underneath shelters. Like they gotta yes, be. Yes, they absolutely can. You just wheel it out and shoot it, and then wheel it back in. <laughs> He's got a point. It could like wheel out from the basement of the museum or something on the morning. I mean, it's. You know, it just shoots its blank and then goes back into the garage. I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about artillery from World War II, but, like, you can wheel cannons? Yeah. I mean, yeah, in the entire history of cannons, they've had wheels on them. I honestly I honestly didn't. I don't think I put that together. I just knew they were mounted <laughs> on boats. And, like, 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense how they get out in the woods. We're going to figure this out. Them. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. yeah, we're going to figure this out because because you, you just you said uh, one loud boom off in the distance. And then I thought to myself, well, I wonder how distant it really is. Because I'm kind of I'm like I'm like 50 50. I would say my 500 experience, I wake up half the time with the cannon and half the time I sleep through it. But this time the added fireworks definitely made sure that we were awake. I heard that there were a few drivers that were very cross about it when they eventually had to emerge from their buses in the morning. <laughs> I uh, I went to the inauguration in 2009 and they did a uh, like a cannon salute right after he was sworn into office, which was also like maybe it was on the program, but I didn't know that was coming. So I was just sitting there. I was like, oh, that was that was this is how it goes. This is how it ends. <laughs> That you were caught up in some warfare? Yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, so we're being invaded. Uh, I'm not in an optimal place. <laughs> you seem to have a lot of, of, of you, like, scenarios where you think you're going to die. Like, Yeah, no, it's like, there's some James, issues. Tim was telling me a story about how he, he got to watch the, the race from the Pagoda, like, in the Gamebridge suite, which is, you know, a pretty good one. I The I Mac do. Daddy of suites, yeah. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. As the flyover was happening, he was like, huh, if this goes wrong, I feel like the pagoda is the first thing they're going to hit. And I was like, no, I didn't um, mean like they're going to bomb it. I meant like if something was going to go wrong in the flyover and they accidentally hit something, it would probably be the big tower. And I didn't think, hey, this is for sure going to happen. It was more just like if it happens, I mean, this is where it's going to hit. I see that logic doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're not I a think, worst case scenario thinker, I are think you? you would hit the ground. And as a pilot, <clears throat> let me tell you something. 100% of planes that have taken off have returned to the earth. <laughs> now, Alex, I'm a worst case scenario thinker. So I see a flyover. I'm like, okay, where could it hit? I see a race. I think, okay, how could Santino win? I am always just looking at what the worst possible outcome could be. That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> I'm smiling. Well, I, I want to hold on. I, cause Becky's also a worst case scenario thinker, but I actually, I want to go back to your inauguration story because you, you're at the inauguration, right? And you hear cannons and your first thought is we're being invaded. Right. So I mean, it, it wasn't like a, it was just like a second. It was just like, you, okay. Uh, you hear a big boom, you don't immediately go. I wonder what great thing happened. No, but it's like, like invaded. You didn't think like I it could have been. Man. It was an invasion. It wasn't just like something. It wasn't maybe an attack of some kind. I was it wasn't nervous. something domestic. You thought like the Swedes had finally said fooled you long enough, and they just <laughs> came in on. It would. And be then them. you said it would. And be then them. you said it, I wasn't exactly in the best place. You were near the president of the United States who is going to have more artillery around him than anyone yeah. else on earth. So I feel like you were actually yeah. in a and pretty I'm in good a big spot. Crowd. I'm in a big crowd. And who do you think they're going to give the attention to to protect me or old Barry in the Capitol over there? I'm just saying there's probably like <laughs> F-16s all over the place. There's like there's helicopters. There's all sorts of stuff to protect the vicinity that Barry's in. I just feel like it just proves. Yeah, your, again, your, none of this occurs to you in the thinking. like half a second after a cannon goes off. No, what occurs to me is, oh, is it 6 a.m. already? <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Well, anyways, back to talking about the race. It was awesome to see fans again. That's what it comes down to. I'm just saying, I, I hope Doug Bowles lets me go do two more laps because I only did the Indianapolis 495. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to well, say. While you're there, that... can you ask him where the cannon is? <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> yeah. Figure that out for us. So. The the thing that I found interesting was so Alex and I we were joking about this we were we were laughing about this uh, over the weekend um, on when when we were in Bathurst for the one thousand and you know we kind of had an inkling that maybe Scott McLaughlin was going to be coming over and at Bathurst which is kind of there that's their Indy five hundred that's their big their big hallmark event they have a, a drivers parade through the town similar to what we do here in Indy. And, and it was very cool. And, you know, Bathurst is a small place, but there was a lot of people came out. It was pretty cool. And we were talking to Scott afterwards and we're like, bro, wait till you see the parade for the 500. It is next level. It's like one of the largest parades in the country. You're going to be blown away at how many people come out and, and whatever. So anyway, obviously Scott knows that circumstances this year are different still. And on Saturday when the normal parade happens, we did do like a mini parade that was, you know, four blocks of of Main Street Speedway rather than, you know, two miles of downtown Indianapolis. So we were joking with them after the race. We're like, or sorry, after the parade, we're like, now look, I know we bigged up the parade compared to Bathurst. Like, yeah, compared to Bathurst, this was <laughs> there was nobody here. It was quiet. It was short. Like, no, it's not. That's not. Just wait till next year. Then you'll get it. And the other thing that, you know, that drivers really look forward to is driver intros, right? And I was actually on Scott's row. So we were we were sitting next to each other. And even at whatever the percentage was, allegedly, that we had at the Speedway, it was still amazing to walk over the wall and see people again and hear the cheers and, uh, even though it wasn't full capacity yet, he was still blown away by that. And that's when I could finally look over and be like, wait till next year because it's, it's going to be even better. Yeah. I even saw, I even saw our own miserly Alex Rossi smile during driver intros. Um, I always <laughs> smile during driver intros. I think 
No, I don't know. I was I was happy to be there, guys. I would say I was... sometimes you grimace. This was like a full on. You were you were smiling. You were happy to be there. Yeah. Well, I was. <laughs> um, don't worry, guys. It was short lived. <laughs> um, you were happy for about thirty laps, and then less happy. And then, yeah. Anyways, James, I let's. I mean, let, let's let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Obviously, we've. Um, for those of you listening, we're thrilled that you are back at the Speedway. We appreciate and are continually blown away by the amount of you that um, mentioned the podcast. So uh, amazing. Keep listening. Tell your friends. Um, but your favorite part is coming up. We're going to talk about the race. But um, I honestly, I have my own going on. I, I didn't see James on track once. Obviously, I saw the results at the end. Obviously, you're not happy. But like, what was your race like what what occurred what happened was there anything good was i i don't know honestly uh great great question and that's yeah that's one of the tough things about these races is even going back and watching it on tv you still only kind of get a sense of the top stories and not lucy would you give it a rest um (laughs) her name's becky james (laughs) (laughs) no no no. lucy listens when i tell her to be quiet um so (laughs) love you honey so my race honestly alex my race went about as well as we thought it was going to barring any lucky yellows or unforeseen circumstances we we sort of just we sort of just struggled with pure pace the whole month uh the guys did an incredible job to have the car as fast and slippery as they did for qualifying to get a 16th that was probably a little bit better than we should have been and in the race you know we had a very clean race we stayed out of trouble we made good decisions on track the guys were good in pit lane there were no real opportunities for crazy strategy dice rolling things uh and and we just we just ultimately didn't have the fastest car on track so it was it was unfortunate to think that like 20th or 21st was kind of the best we could do, but I think we all maximized what we had and it was just sort of the hand we we were dealt. So it was a very straightforward and sort of mistake-free race from everyone on the Genesis car. And, uh, you know, and it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was frustrating that we just weren't making progress. You know, we were sitting there doing what we had to do and just, and just we really weren't going anywhere, but that's indie man. As you know, it's, uh, it picks its people and it has, you know, you can have, uh, can have lucky breaks there or unlucky breaks there, uh, as you know, oh, too well. And, uh, and that was kind of, that was kind of our day, unfortunately. It's unbelievable to think about that had a very rare mistake from the 15 crew not happened. And Graham subsequently being fired into the wall through no fault of his own. There was only one yellow, and that was Stefan crashing on pit entry. Yeah, pit lane thing. Not a single incident on track. I, I, I can't even wrap my head around how that's possible. Yeah. So uh, two caution periods over the whole race. Previous record low was four. So smashed the record for fastest race in history, and record for fewest number of cautions. Now, that first caution did take a long time. It was a long caution laps-wise for... Sure was. 
various reasons, and that threw a wrench in the plans of a number of contenders. Unfortunately, Alex, you were included in that. Uh, but yes, it was very bizarre that we only had... Now, okay, so so riddle me this. Is that because you know we keep crapping on about how the quality of the field is getting better and better and, and the drivers are better and better? Or is it because passing was so hard that you weren't side by side to create opportunities where, you know, accidents could happen? So could it be so, both? Well, here's here's something that I, I'm gonna have to like think about and talk to a lot of much smarter people than me, but I'm gonna bring up this theory here, James. Do you think it's possible? Because I'm starting to believe that it is. Do you think it's possible that actually the racing is worse when it's colder? So, okay. Because so, I, I was expecting with the added downforce, with the cool temperatures relative to every other 500 we competed in, that it was going to be like the easiest 500 we've had in a long time in terms of following and passing. And in a lot of ways, it was harder in 2020. Okay, so this is a great point. And for a little bit of background, traditionally, when the air temperature gets up, and the sun's out, and the track temperature gets up, tires lose grip, cars lose grip, and following is harder, which means passing is harder. We saw throughout the, the week of practice, some cooler temps to start the week. They got progressively hotter as we got to qualifying. Qualifying weekend itself was very warm. Track temps were very hot. And on Sunday with the final practice after qualifying or the final practice for that week after qualifying, it was pretty hot conditions, but it looked okay. It looked like, you know, everybody was kind of getting their cars dialed in. The racing with the added downforce that we had this year was probably going to be a little better than what we'd seen. And then we got to carb day and it was way cooler. It was much more representative of what we ended up seeing in the race. And everybody was like, oh, well, everyone's all happy with their cars now because they've got more downforce with the cooler air. The tires are behaving better with the cooler track temps. And yes, to Alex's point, everybody thought that the racing was going to be crazy and lots of passing and easy to follow because of that. But the knock-on effect of the cooler conditions and more ideal conditions is everybody's car was a lot better. And so the difference between them, I think, was a lot smaller. Is that you what you think, think might have been the cause? I, I don't. I think there's a lot of people I talk to, and like it's always hard to get a good judge of the show in, in on the practice days because you have guys going out. Right. Different tire life, different fuel levels, and like you guys are carving up the field, and it's like, oh, like it looks pretty good type of thing, and and you've you've got guys lifting early because they want to fall back, so so runs are set up and passes are happening. And all. When everyone starts on the same tire life and the same fuel and has the same objective and is pushing it one hundred percent, you lose that obviously. And I just felt like the balance was was not good. Like it wasn't bad. I'm not saying I think our cars were were pretty good, but talking to a lot of people after the race, like it was, it was just, it wasn't that nice out there. Like it was, it was hard work. Like turn, it was, it was to be fair, it was, it was pretty windy, but like one and two were really hard and, and turns three and four, like it was, it was hard to follow close. Right. So like, I, I don't know. I just feel like in the past when it's hot, you, maybe it's because the speeds are slower like that extra three or four miles an hour of like ultimate pace allows just slightly less disturbed air. I don't know. I just, I just felt like with the addition of a couple hundred pounds of downforce, 
and the cool temperatures, there was going to be a much more consistent ability to follow and overtake. And that first stint, man, like when I was, whatever I was eighth, I was watching the entire field in front of me and behind me and there was not a single overtake. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I like you and like, I think everybody else thought it was going to be a bit racier than it was, but alternate theory for you. So you go into race day after carb day, you've made changes to your car or you haven't. And of the 33 cars, let's say 80% of them in that first into the race, we had a lot of rain. So the track was pretty green compared to what we'd had in practice. Um, let's say 80% of the cars in that first in your balance is not what you want it to be. It's not how it was when you ended happy on carb day. If you ended happy on carb day and if you didn't end unhappy on carb day, it's definitely different because you threw a bunch of changes at it, whatever. So that first it is always going to be kind of the heart, one of the hardest ones of the race. So what if the difference was just in the cooler temps, especially with the cooler track temps, you could kind of deal with an imbalance a little bit easier. So even though it was hard and your car wasn't exactly what you wanted, the the the, the deficit between the, the difference between a good balance and a bad balance was a lot less. And like if you made a little mistake, the penalty wasn't as big. You know, you could crack the throttle and it would come back a little easier. So you didn't see the big sort of speed discrepancies and setups for passes. Because like even when I was following guys that so in in two thousand and uh, 2019, I started on the back row and I made most of my, cause it was difficult to pass that year, especially way back in the line like that. And I made almost all my passes from guys trying to set up a pass in front of me, getting it wrong, having to bail out of the throttle out of two or out of four, they lose their momentum and you go around them. No harm, no foul this year. Even when somebody did that and made that mistake, they'd crack the throttle, but it would come back so much easier and quicker that they didn't lose anywhere near as much momentum and it was way harder to still capitalize on those mistakes. So maybe that's where the track temp actually hurts the racing. So do you think there's an argument that in essence, we need less downforce? Mm, no, no. I think we need high downforce, high track temps. I don't know. I'm just making that up. That's just, just something that came out of my mouth right now after... I mean, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, what we need is he doesn't like, know what he's talking. All about. of that is no. irrelevant. We need a new front wing. Like that's that's really what it boils down to. A new For rear what? wing would be cool too. Because what would then a new front wing trim. and what would a new front wing and rear? Okay, so rear wing. You said you could actually trim, but what would a new front wing do? The the biggest problem that you have with not being able to overtake is especially with the aero screen and the additional weight. the The front axle doesn't have enough load on it in turbulent air to actually stay on the racing line that you want to a new front wing would allow you to not lose as much downforce and and aero balance um, as we currently do um, and a new rear wing would allow you to actually be different than other people um, in theory and and allow your mechanical car to make a difference in, in terms of how fast you're actually going so I, I think the the biggest issue that we have with our super speedway package, and this isn't just Indy. I mean, we we saw it in Texas, is the the front and rear wing are just not very effective and useful, especially in dirty air. And in a way, I mean, isn't that the whole point of racing and is testing out new things to see how it works? So they tested out the new wings, and 
wasn't as optimal as they were hoping and so hopefully they fix it on the next one well keep in mind these came out with a whole new design and 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 the ending of the arrow kits so when a new i don't know when a new design is coming out it's not anytime soon but you would think that they could upgrade some pieces i think yeah i mean the hope is that we're just we're learning lessons along the way and <clears throat> we can keep trying to adjust i mean again i give indycar credit for the the added downforce pieces that we got for this year the added arrow sure. pieces um i do think that was directionally correct um and look man we had a pass for the lead with like two laps to go so it's not like it's not like it was a complete bore it's just like the last few years it's been tough sort of further back in the train um, and that pass for the lead was Elio Castroneves joining the four-time winners club, which was pretty freaking cool to witness. And I love watching sports history be made and being there and being part of it. And Elio is a super nice guy. Alex and I got to work with him all month, you know, with, uh, Shank's technical partnership with Andretti. He was in all of our engineering meetings and we got to work side by side with him all month. And, um, <clears throat> he is, you know, one of the nicest guys in racing he he posted he's posted a lot since uh sunday but one of the things that he posted was i've done two races this year and i've won them both and that's the daytona 24 <laughs> and the indy 500 so he's uh, he's making a pretty good argument for him landing full time in something next year whatever whatever it is he wants to do <laughs> and yeah that's definitely a hall of fame batting average <laughs> oh yeah that's yeah his, his 2021 batting average is pretty sweet well and then i know we we touched on this briefly but biggest tv numbers since 2016 yeah i mean i I, awesome. I think it's it's amazing you know coming out of of what we we went through in 2020 and in the beginning of this year and sports and motorsports there being a lot of question marks over the viability and, and the expense in the future of it, just because the, the world was in such an unknown state to be able to host an event with live fans, host the biggest event post um, pandemic and to have the interest nationwide that we haven't had since the hundredth running is, is pretty spectacular and it's just a testament to the relevancy of the indy 500 how important it is to so many people and also why it is so special to us the 33 drivers that, that get to participate in it every single year and and um yeah i mean it's, it's it's a huge momentum boost for for the series a lot of validation for ims penske corp everyone that put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and sleepless nights into into making it happen. So it's very cool to see them rewarded for that. No, I was going to say, one of the things I find so interesting is, you know, last year, I think with no fan, no fans allowed, um, and obviously, you know, TV ban lifted locally in Indy, and, you know, still sort of coming back to live sports, you know, through the pandemic, whatever, whatever, I think a lot of people expected the 500 numbers last year, the TV numbers to be like through the roof because nobody could be there and people were dying for live sports, whatever, whatever. And it was really, really low. And that's, that was, yeah. that was true of most live sports. Once they came back, everybody thought that the numbers were just going to be through the roof, but I, evidently people during the pandemic realized that there's other things to do and they didn't just come flocking back as soon as live sports came back. But then, you know, you fast forward a year, we're back in our normal date. We have 140,000 people actually there and we still had 50% higher ratings than we did, you know, at the, at the race last year in August. So it's, 
it's so cool to see that sort of trend coming back. You know, we we had a ton of people there and we still and, and you know and we're so much further removed from people being starved of of live sports and and we had our biggest year in the last 5 years, which is uh which is awesome. So I I just think it's uh like Alex said, it's a great sign of of things happening and uh and huge credit to all the people that made that happen from everyone at the track and the series and the teams and NBC. And it's, uh, it's definitely very cool. So Alex, are you going to hold it over Elio that like a million more people saw you win than saw him win? Or does he get to add up the other three? Mm, Yeah. I think if you total the people that watched (laughs) him win, I think he he definitely beats me. I think you should still do it though, because he loves to remind me that I came second on Dancing with the Stars and he won it. So you you should rub that in when you can. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't also, do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so real quick, so we got about five more minutes. What I always think is kind of interesting is, you know, I, I feel like I live at the the track when it's May, and I, I'm there a fraction of the time you guys are. But what I always kind of find interesting is the next day you go there, and the teams are gone, and, and, or they're packing things up. So maybe if you go through a little bit of the process, what do the teams do after the race? Cry. Thirty-two teams cry tears of sorrow, and and one team is crying tears of joy. But no, I mean it's you know what Elio in a lot of ways is one of the luckiest winners we've had in a long time because he doesn't have to go to to Detroit next week. So I'll let Alex touch on what the drivers got to go through this week. The teams, they just you know it's funny like you said, Tim. We we're there almost the entire month. It becomes a little city, you know, with all the trailers and trucks and hospitality. You're eating there, you're sleeping there. It's it's your life. And then in 24 hours, it gets packed up and like a circus, we move on to the next one. So the the teams move everything back to their shops. Most of them are here in Indianapolis, so it's not a long trip. Uh, but we just we're immediately starting to prepare for the next race. You know, it's uh, I mean, do Indy they get a do Indy they get a day special, off? But well, Monday's Memorial Day, so yeah, everybody gets it off. But I mean, like I I feel like I see people packing up the the cars right after the race. Oh, 100 percent. There I mean, there are trailers. I got a, I saw a picture of Alex's truck stopped on the side of the road about a mile and a half outside the speedway. So his his actually, yeah, I continued. did. I passed that. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. your uh, your hauler or whatever it's called was was broken down on the side of the road. Yeah, I was wondering if it ran out of gas, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> too too soon. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But so, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of the team, uh, some team guys were still back at the track on Monday picking up the last of whatever was left. But no, for the most part, everybody gets Monday off, which is nice. Uh, And thankfully, you know, we're not just absolutely busting ass to turn everything around and and get to Detroit for this weekend. We have a weekend off. But again, that's extra nice for the driver who goes on now an insane whirlwind uh, of media. Isn't that right, Alejandro? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... um... (laughs) It is something else. I don't. I. I still don't really know quite what it looks like with COVID. Like if he'll be doing the same trips to New York. And Good point. Obviously, he's not going to go to Texas. So I don't. I don't really know what it looks like. But yes, usually it's 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 um, a lot of talking, a lot of um, pretending to be emotionally engaged and excited, um, which for me is more demanding than driving the race car. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it, it is very cool. And and even in the, the most annoying and exhausting times of it all, um, Elio will be taking consolation in the fact that 32 other drivers wish they were in his position. But I do think it's a little bit easier because I know he's at home already 
So like, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, he's not competing in Detroit. So like, it won't really matter that he's well rested versus the That's rest of point. us because he's not there anyways. But he will still be in his fire suit. <laughs> Can we talk about how he showed up to the banquet the next day in his fire suit? It's funny because it's kind of like a running joke in the paddock that Elio like gets dressed in his bus when he gets up in the morning and like leaves not at a joke. 8 a.m. already suited and booted. Yeah, no, it's not a joke. Yeah, so like he is he is in his fire suit from the minute he basically gets up until the minute he goes. I mean, he might sleep in it. I've not visited him, you know, while he was sleeping. Uh, but it's it's definitely on every minute of the day outside. I wonder if it's like it comes from his Penske days because he's really hated wearing black slacks and a polo. So you're just like, well, if I'm well, in my Alex, suit, I don't you have told to be me that he wore. You told me he wore his fire suit in the sim, right? Well, not only did he wear his fire <laughs> suit in the sim, but then you know he had to go get lunch during like the same day, and so he just wore his suit to lunch with his engineer. <laughs> and his engineer was like, "Are you, are you gonna change?" And he was like, "No." So they went and sat and had like a sandwich or soup or a salad or whatever the hell they had in a little cafe. And he just was Elio Castroneves in his Team Penske suit. Do you think he just loves being a race car driver so I much? Do. He just I wants really, to wear I the really, team. really do. Yes. Well, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> I mean, they are very comfortable. I'd say I'm not against that. I'm a big onesie also, you guy. Never you know guys where know this about going to broke out. <laughs> he's prepared. Maybe he's just a worst case scenario thinker like me. Maybe. Maybe he was on the grid. Uh, yeah, man, if these, if these fighter jets crash, we're done. <laughs> I will have one added layer of protection from what Tim would have. <laughs> well, not only does he have one extra layer of protection um, on you, Tim, in disasters, he also has. Another million or so dollars, which is great for him, which is yeah, yeah. more than Tim has. It's um, neat. It's neat. Which is, you know, I, I, I was really, I felt bad for him because, you know, his home in Fort Lauderdale and, and everything and was, was really starting to look a little, a little <laughs> outdated, you know, considering he built it from scratch in 2019. But anyways. Well, um, and also nobody wants an odd number of rings. That's right. Just, That's yeah. just inconvenient. <laughs> inconvenient. So with that being said, a huge congratulations to Elio. As James said, amazing to to witness history. I don't know that we'll ever see that again. Um, at least I doubt we'll see it while we're racing. Um, so congrats to him. Congrats to Honda and HBD uh, for, for their amazing accomplishment and efforts. The fact that they have now won um, the 24 hours of Daytona. The Indianapolis 500 and the Monaco Grand Prix is pretty cool for for old Honda. Oh, wow. So, um, quite a quite a year for them, and look forward to getting back on track in Detroit in two weeks. And um, the paddock's fully open, guys. So, if you're listening and you want to come to Detroit and check it out, um, see you in 12 days. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Tim.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.